Father in heaven, we thank you for being here with us, drawing us here in your name, giving us uh, an opportunity to be changed, have our needs met. Everything that we need is right here in your presence. So we honor you. We love you. We pray for the people who are watching online, who are watching live, and the ones who are watching our replay, that every need that they have would be met, that Lord be your shepherd. You have no lack, no want, nothing missing, nothing broken. So we thank you, Lord, for that great peace that you give us in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So today we're going to talk about his astonishing power. Okay. <clears throat> the astonishing power of Jesus. You know, everything he did was miraculous. He, he knew nothing else except the miraculous. And so that should be a, a good tip off for us. When we're in Christ, we, we are miraculous. We expect the miraculous. And it's easy for us to receive the miraculous from him uh, because he lives in us, amen, by the person of the Holy Spirit. If we will let him take over and run things, we'll see miracles coming and going, amen. I mean, nothing but miracles because, you know, I hear some preachers preach, uh, uh, don't look for miracles because that means you're in trouble or you got to have trouble. That's just the craziest thing I've ever heard. We should be, miracles should be familiar to us. You know, people think, think people think the miraculous is just to bail you out of some dire circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? But you're miraculous when you speak to a pain and it leaves you. Amen. That That's a miracle right there. Amen. Now, you didn't pray to have pain so you could speak to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, world, The world is going to have trouble in it, period. You can't avoid that, but you can overcome it. Amen. And he has made us overcomers through his astonishing power. Amen. So we're going to talk about that. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 30, 32, we can go there. You pretty much know the uh, preceding situation he was in in the um, synagogue he came verse 31 he came down to Capernaum a city in Galilee and taught them on the Sabbath days now we already established that Jesus could do these things because he he had a priesthood that was higher than the Levitical priesthood which meant that he didn't have to be under the authority of the ruler of the synagogue. He did not have to be under the authority of the religious system at all. Why? Because his priesthood superseded theirs. Amen. His The Melchizedek priesthood was no beginning and no end. We've talked about that before. Uh, Abraham paid tithes. To Melchizedek, he was the king and priest of Salem. So here you have king and priest together. When have you seen that? You never saw that before. So that's a unique combination, and we are heirs to that. That's why we're a royal priesthood. Amen? So we get that not through the Levites. We get that through Melchizedek. 
So Jesus' priesthood was always higher. Now, does that mean you can go in anybody's church and take over? Absolutely not. Because the Melchizedek priesthood also established the church structure, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. you got to have permission from whomever's in charge of that meeting to get up and say anything. You got me? So everybody just chill out, want to go take over because you think you know more than people. If you know more than them, you got enough sense to sit down and behave yourself. Tell you right now. <laughs> Some of these deacons will pull a gun on you if you move, if you move funny. Don't be stupid, y'all. Come on now. So anyway, he came down to Capernaum. So Jesus always obeys the Father. The Father is holy. He ain't doing nothing wrong in what he's doing. So he taught them on Sabbath days and there was, they were astonished at his doctrine or his teaching. Amen. Because his word was with power. Amen. His word was with power. That it says they were astonished at his words. Not not any kind of sign following it. They didn't say at the actions that came after his word. They said his words astonished them. So his word has something different on it. It did something different in the hearing of their ears. There was something different about his words. And, and you will notice that about yourself when, when the unction of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you begin to speak. When you preach the gospel, you share Christ with somebody. There is something different on your words. There, there is a resonant power on God's word and when you obey the flowing or the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, that word has the right amount of power on it to do what God wants it to do, whether it's loud or quiet. It's not about the volume. There was something different. It either moved them in a certain way. It sounded different to their ears. They were accustomed. The, the Bible says they compared his his uh, doctrine to what the scribes did when they get, got up and read scripture. They weren't anointed with the same kind of power. Now, there was power on the words of the scribes because people believed. They could mix that word with faith. But there was not what Jesus had because Jesus comes out of a different priesthood. Now there's coming a different order to the church. He is the Messiah, the one who is going to come and change everything. So he is changing everything as he walks and he does his ministry. And he doesn't have to come in and say, well, I'm here to change everything. You don't have to listen to them anymore and all this. No, he just teaches what God put on his heart to teach. He begins to bring truth to the people. And it has a force behind it that they have never experienced before. And so this uh, caused them to notice him in a way that no minister had ever noticed before. They they knew he was different. There was something totally different about him. And so they it says they were astonished at his doctrine. His word was with power. 
And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you? Jesus of Nazareth, are you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, hold hold your peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed at the power of his words. So at first they were amazed at the sound of what his voice was. You know, when you first get saved and you start telling about what Jesus did for you and all your relatives run away from you, it's the same same experience, amen, your word, you ain't laid a hand on nobody, you ain't prayed for nobody, you just start telling people what Jesus did and how you, oh, I went to church and I didn't never knew before that you had to get saved and I prayed this prayer and ever since then I've been different, I know, and I'm on my way to heaven, blah, 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 and they say, huh? everybody runs away from you and never come back again. Why? Because the power on that word is a power they've never experienced before. They might have experienced it in church some, but that's why they don't go no more. I'll say it again. They all running away from the power. Amen. Now the power is not just in church. Uh, you, they, your cousin got it. See what I'm saying? Now you got to run from your cousin. Pretty soon it's going to be no place else to run. Amen. And they're going to have to fall into the everlasting arms. So that's the way God has planned it. Amen. For everybody who will believe. So his word was with power, astonishing power, noticeable power. You don't have to get loud with anybody. You don't have to pray in tongues all over the office and put your Bible on top of your desk. I'm not talking about, you know, see... Let me tell you where people uh, uh, expose themselves. You you bring your Bible on your phone to church so you can play with them other apps. But when you're at work, you bring that, that coffee table Bible and sit it up on your desk, that big white one with the gold trim on the sides of it. Hypocrites. <laughs> Amen. They don't need all that to know God is with you. Your word, trust that he He puts the same power on your words that he put on Jesus' words. Jesus lives in you. And if you obey him and say what he wants you to say, when he wants you to say it, the way he wants you to say it, huh? Jesus was fearless. Most of the time we're trying to figure out how to fix our words up so we don't get that reaction from people. I'm going to say it again. Most of the time, well, you know, you just have to be tactful. I don't see Jesus. I don't see tact being one of Jesus' miraculous, astonishing power attributes. It didn't say his word was tactful. It says his word was with power. Amen. You're trying to diminish the power on some guys. And that power is what you need to get used. You need to get used to saying what God tells you to say. You need to get used to having his power on your voice. You need to get used to talking to people about the Lord. Amen. Or start talking about the weather and see if God don't butt into the conversation at some point and start to reveal himself to people. That's what we're here for. Amen. <clears throat> so so we're here not to fight the power. 
We're here to go along with the power and let it flow from us the same way Jesus did. And so that word for power is the word exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, and it's the word for authority. So authority in your voice is the anointing. Amen. The anointing puts authority in your voice. Other than that, what you're telling people is merely a suggestion. The minute you start to tamp it down and tone it down and make it tactful and make it purdy so people won't reject you. This is not some popularity contest. Life and death. Then people go to hell if you don't deliver it the way God told you to deliver it. Let's get serious here. So his word was with authority. So there's authority on his word. Amen. That that word can be translated both ways. It comes out authoritative, but after it hits the atmosphere, you see a confirmation of the power behind it. Amen. See, if if you're a, a policeman, policemen rest in the authority in their badge. Okay. Without that badge, they have no right to come up to anybody, say anything, do anything. So they can use any tone of voice that they feel they need to in order to get the person that they're talking to be to to comply or understand what what they are interacting with them for. When they come up to somebody, they can use any tone of voice they want to, but you have to comply. Because of that badge. That's the authority. See, the authority is in the badge. And so when, when they come up to you, they can say, well, you know, you're having a nice day. I noticed you, you know, da, 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 da. And they, most of them find that if they are polite and accommodating to people and explain to them what's going on, most people will say, well, you know what, officer, they'll meet, they'll, they'll meet in kind what they give out. The person will say, well, I'm sorry, officer, was I speeding? I couldn't have been speeding. And then they settle down. But the if, if that person begins to escalate or starts out wrong, you see the power, the authority translate to power. Because you got to know there's power behind that badge if it's necessary. You got me? And so that, that tone of their voice can change to one that's more authoritative. It, it's got a backing behind it. And you get the impression you've gone too far. You cross, you better back down and go back under authority. You understand what I'm saying? But with Jesus, his words were with power, authority, everything that, that he could shoot at him was shot at the same time. You got me? So power, authority came, there was a power and anointing behind it, and that power came and it did things to people, it did things to the atmosphere, it set things up so that God's kingdom could manifest in that area wherever that word goes. Wherever you go and speak God's word, his kingdom is is going to manifest if you follow through with whatever God tells you. Do you understand me? It's gonna happen. And so when, when, when Jesus spoke, it was a package deal. They heard authority in his voice. 
And they thought, oh, he's coming from a different place than, than what we're used to. We're used to the scribes just reading us scriptures and we go to sleep and then we wake up and then, <laughs> then we walk out and get a Coke and come back two hours later and they still talking. Do you understand what I'm saying? But with Jesus, everybody was attentive. So the first thing that authority does, it gets a person's attention. Amen. It must get your attention. If if a person it appears not to pay attention, just keep talking. Just keep you just keep flowing with the Holy Spirit. See, you, our job is to stay connected to God and to do everything He tells us to do and speak everything He tells us to speak. So when Jesus begins to preach in this setting, they they notice that His word is with power, and then there's a, a man in there. Something in him recognizes the authority in Jesus' voice. Amen? And that something is a demon. And so when Jesus Jesus is in operation, when his anointing is in operation, it accomplishes many different things at one time. Number one, it speaks to the heart of people. It speaks truth to the heart of people. It speaks an unwavering truth to the hearts of people. Because they said, man, I've never heard anybody. This, this guy knows what he's talking. That's what they said. He's, he, you hear what he said? He knows what he's talking about. We can't just sit here and pick at him like we do to the Pharisees and the scribes and ask him a million questions and then go home and say, ah, oh, they didn't know nothing. You couldn't do that. You can get that wiggle room with Jesus. You sat there, uh, astonished. You sat there amazed. You paid attention. And that's what the anointing is for. It's for attention on him, not on the vessel speaking. So what what we get upset about sometimes, people's reaction, we take it on ourselves to think they're reacting to us and there's no such thing going on. They're reacting to God and to that anointing and that power that's on your words. Amen. And so this is the way it was with Jesus. And so when as Jesus is ministering, and this is very consistent with his ministry. Demons will begin to tremble and they begin to expose themselves. He don't go looking for devils. I'm going to say it again. I don't know. You know, people act like this is some safari or something. You got to figure out who's got a devil and go after it. There's no such thing as that. When it's the anointing of God. See, that's from you putting yourself in it. Take you out of it. Amen. And then let God orchestrate what goes on in these situations. You can go looking for demons. If you got anything, they come looking for you. Trust me. Amen. So we don't have to play that game. So it says here, this there was a man that had a spirit of an unclean devil. All demons are unclean. This doesn't mean it was anything like a sexual devil or anything. Get your mind out the gutter. Unclean spirit is anything that works for Satan. Clean ones are God's angels. Amen. So, so here this thing opposes him and he starts talking out and letting Jesus know he knows who he is. Amen. And demons will do this to you. They'll tell you things like, um, 
you know, you, you got a lot of power. You know, they'll say things to kind of drive you off course. You know, flatter you, get you in the flesh is what they're trying to do where they are, where they can defeat you and, and say anything and stay in that, that church if they want to. And so uh, Jesus threw him out of, cast him out of that man. And so there was a power that followed the authority. Two different things. There's a power that follows authority when it's needed. As long as he was preaching to the people, he didn't need to cast any, didn't say he cast anything out of anybody. Amen. Because the people were listening. They were attentive. There was nothing fighting them to hear. But here's this one poor man who's here, and he's agitated, and he can't pay attention to the sermon because this devil is agitating him. Amen? And so Jesus has to do something to bring this man to peace so that he can receive the message just like everybody else. And that's the main reason you cast out devils is to bring a soul into peace Bring a soul into the anointing. Bring a soul into receiving from God and stop the torment that the enemy is trying to put on that person by by harassing him and living in him. Amen? So it's not for anything other than that. It's to alleviate human suffering. This man is being oppressed by the enemy because he's not in control of his life right now. The devil is. And so Jesus, when he preaches... I'll just say it this way. Whatever you preach will determine the outcome of the service or the interaction if you obey God all the way down the line. And if you get down the line in in a demon manifests or exposes itself or starts talking to you and you start talking back to it and holding a conversation, you just lost your authority. You let him take authority. For those of you who think it's cute to talk to devils, let me just put a stop to that right now. Amen. Your only interaction with them is go, leave, shut up, sit down, get out of here in Jesus' name and get get it over with. Amen. They are not there for entertainment. They are not there for anything like that. They are there for you to take authority over them so that they don't oppress the vessel that they're in any longer. You're there to bring relief to people who are suffering from oppression, anything that demon is doing, it's wrong. It's illegal for him to stay in that man. And once Jesus comes there, he lets you know it's illegal. And so it's the same thing with the anointing <clears throat> that God gives us. We have that same anointing. We don't have it in the same degree. You're not as aware of it sometimes. As you could be, sometimes you're more aware of it than at other times. There are times when when that authority is something you reserve for when it's needed. Okay? So you don't walk around, you know, big bad Christian and making everybody scared of you for no reason. Amen. It's not That's not what we do. Amen. We're in the world but not of it. Amen. Jesus left us here to do good. Amen. And to relieve human suffering. You don't, you don't get anywhere by trying to, you know, magnify yourself or make yourself appear grander than Jesus. 
He didn't magnify himself. He was just going about his business teaching. He's teaching these people, and all of a sudden, the man comes there and, and starts cutting up. Amen? The devil starts cutting up in this man. So he has to help this man, number one, and bring power, I mean, bring a, a order back to the, the service. And it says in verse 36, that, that thing tried to perform, but he had to come out. Jesus told him to come out, shut up, and come out. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him, didn't he? He showed out a little bit first, but he came out, and he didn't hurt him. And they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? Amen? For with authority and power. You can have what sounds like authority in your voice and keep harping at a devil and it don't move. Uh, We've all seen this. Amen. So power has to be, authority has to be backed up with power. Just like the police officers. If somebody doesn't recognize and respect the badge and they want to challenge them, and resist arrest, then they can exert power to subdue that person because they must stay in authority. If we let the police not be in authority, all chaos will come. Now you might think it's cute because you think the police is bad to everybody, but wait until somebody's busting in your front door. Or that nice Christian husband you met in church starts swinging from the chandelier and eating bananas all the time. You Look at the fruit tray. You can't keep bananas in there. We got a problem. Huh? Huh? Oh, you got a problem, Houston? Huh? Then you want to go out the door and he blocks the door. You better be calling 911. But see, if you think the police aren't supposed to do things and restrain people, Wait until you need help. You got nobody else to call on, folks. So anyway, so Jesus uses authority and when necessary, backed up with power. So it's necessary because this demon is crying out and wanting to run stuff. They think they're supposed to run stuff. Amen. This is why you cast them out. This is why you bring order back into the service when they start getting out of order. Amen. Sometimes, you know, there are people who have come in, come in services and they're just going to be disruptive. You just ask them to leave. You understand? Don't bother trying to cast nothing out of somebody that shouldn't be there. You got me? Just put them out. Just keep it moving. We're here to have a church service. Amen. We're not here to entertain people with people that want to be disruptive. So that's not what this was. And so they said, with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. Amen. And so the fame of Jesus went out into every place of the country round about. So you get famous not because you're on television. Anybody can get on television. Amen. You get famous not because you, you, you know, have a deliverance ministry, put deliverance up there. You don't get famous because you have a title. You get famous when God makes you famous. 
Amen. It's because you're obeying him and doing what you demonstrate. You allow him to demonstrate his power through you. This all happens through you. Amen. And it's not you that's doing it. It's him. So the first quiet moment you get, you tell God, God, I give you all glory for that. I don't want any glory. I don't want to feel like I'm somebody. Take that away from me. I repent. Amen. And and allow the glory to go back to God. Amen. So there are two components to the power of God. Uh, Authority, which we said the first definition is exousia. So that, that was, that was, uh, perceived in Jesus' words. So that means delegated authority, not personal power. Exousia is something that comes from somebody else and it's conferred upon you, but it doesn't belong to you. It's the hardest thing to get people to understand about the anointing. You know, they, they, God will use them to, you know, maybe pray for a sick person and God heals them. Then they want to go everywhere and make people let them lay hands on us. So wait a minute. That ain't your power. Who told you to go over there? And then they'll start fussing at people because they think the people don't have faith. And I'm going, you don't have a permission. Show me your permission slip. You understand what I'm saying? Everything has a lie. We don't have no lone rangers in in Jesus' church. He's the head of the church. He tells you where to go, when to go. Amen? And so Jesus, and he confers this power upon others. Let me see where I have that at. Oh, Lord, I do so much scribbling. Woo-wee. Okay, in Mark chapter 6, if you go there, Mark 6. Verse 7, and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two, gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey except a staff only, no script, money or purse, you know, food, no bread, no, just go. Amen. And, and, but put sandals on your feet. Don't put on two coats. Just go minimal. And he said to them, in what place soever you enter into a house, there live, stay in, until you depart from that place. In other words, don't go shopping for a place to live. Don't make yourself a nuisance in the neighborhood. Amen. Go somewhere and sit down. When If people want you in there, stay, because many people may not. Don't take it for granted. You're welcome everywhere. You got me? And he said, whosoever shall not receive you or hear you when you depart from there, just shake the dust off your feet. Don't stand there and try to convince them. If they don't want to hear you, just move on. Amen. Shake the dust off or as a testimony against them. In other words, don't go nowhere talking about people. The only testimony you give is with the dust on your feet. I'm going to say it again. That's the testimony you give because they didn't receive and that's true. But you don't got to go tell everybody. 
<laughs> and Jesus is saying, don't worry about them people if they don't receive you. He said, it'll be more tolerable for, for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it will be for them. How about that? And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. So this is the ministry. This is before Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead. This is pre-Calvary anointing. Amen. So in, in it's delegated to do specific things. After Calvary, all power in heaven and earth is given to him and he delegates it to us. He gives us the keys to the kingdom. So you can expand your understanding of what God will have you to do. You can go into cities and the whole city will change because of your prayers. That anointing can do that. Amen? And so, and he said, greater works. He said, you're going to be able to do more than I can do just by myself with my 12. Amen? And so he, he, he is, Jesus is accommodating to us to delegate power to us. And, and just to show you how eager he is to do that, if you go to Mark, I think it's Mark 9. Let's go over here real quick and see what's here. 9 and verse 38. And John answered him saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in your name. And he followed not us. And we told him to stop because he didn't follow us. What did Jesus say? He said, don't stop anybody. See, this is the first attempt at denominationalism. If you don't follow us, you don't have no power. Only our group has the power. Does that sound familiar, folks? Right. And this shows you the power of faith in the anointing for a believer to start yield, wielding that power and authority. He says he was there casting out a devil. Apparently the devil came out because if, if he didn't, they would have been the first to want to say that. They didn't have no power. They, I saw them trying to do stuff and they, don't we say that sometimes? No, it's the truth. But the devil must obey this man because they never reported that. Jesus said, don't stop them from doing that. There is no man which can do a miracle in my name. In my name. That can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. In other words, Jesus said we need as much help as we can get. Are you kidding me? Huh? But when you think about it, he says it, it, it shows you the power even of that anointing back there. See, this is pre-Calvary anointing. And it's falling on another guy who just believes he can do it in Jesus' name. Why are we sitting around wondering most of the time? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. It ain't about that. It's about you see somebody giving some, the devil giving somebody trouble and you feel moved. 
by the dunamis. Huh? You feel moved by the exousia. They both belong together. You don't let one out. You know, you'll hear people quibble about, well, I think that word, I like that word better. I like them both. You better like everything both. Don't be picking and choosing. Well, you're going to need it all. You're going to need exousia. You're going to need dunamis. You're going to need a, a revolver. That anointing is, is, thank God it's that easy to yield to and understand and learn about and get in the presence of. Thank God you don't have to go to brother so-and-so's Bible school for seven years to cast, to have the power to cast the devil out of somebody. Nothing wrong with Bible school if God says go. But if the devil's right there in your house, you don't got, you can't go seven years somewhere and then come back. Won't be no house there to come back to. Guarantee you. See, we have to get out of, quit cutting your faith off for restrictions, man's doctrines, man's ways, man's standards. Quit short-circuiting your faith to accommodate man. The Apostle Paul said that when he perceived the call of God, he said, I immediately conferred not with flesh and blood. He said, I didn't ask nobody. Not no human. Are you kidding me? They were looking for him. They thought Paul was going to put them all in, in, in jail or have them stoned to death. So he, he would be the last person to go look up somebody to tell him God had called him. He had to wait for God to send him instruction for how to do that. See? And so we have to understand too that you don't, you're not bound by men's ideas about exercising the power of God. If it's so freely given to some man, they never saw this guy before. They didn't know who he was, but they saw him doing the same thing Jesus had gave them permission to do. And they figured since they got it directly, and this is how denominational people, since I got it from Bishop so-and-so, the apostle so-and-so, I got, <laughs> see, I can tell you what to do with yours because I got mine from apostle so-and-so. Y'all know it's the truth. Instead of getting in their Bible and trying to figure out how to help somebody, they, they want to go snooping around seeing what somebody's doing. That looks like it's helping people and want to put a stop to it. It's called religious devil. You don't care what they call themselves. If it's, if it's stopping the power of God, it's a demon. And did the disciples have one? Oh yes, they did. They were definitely influenced by religion. You see evidence of it right here. And Jesus tells them, lose your religion. Stop stopping people. And use some wisdom. Jesus said, you see the pressure we're up against around here. There's demons everywhere. If Caesar, if it ain't in Caesar's people, they in the, the synagogues, they everywhere. And you gonna stop somebody who's working against them? I don't think so. 
You let that man do what, what the anointing's telling him to do. So here you've got a man listening to the same anointing that Jesus listens to. How did he get it? The Bible says when, when Nicodemus went to talk to Jesus in, in, and he talked about the spirit, he spirit said the spirit goes where it wants to. Oh, you mean he ain't just among us only? He's among the Baptists and he's among the Presbyterians and the Catholics. Yeah, he's among there. And he ain't in the church sometimes. He's outside in the street to meet you. If they won't let him in their churches, he'll meet people outside the church. You got me? He goes where he wants to. Talks to who he wants to and tell him what to do. And if they're exercised faith in his words, then he can get his work done. He's the, the agent of manifestation in the earth. Amen. He's the agent to empower us. The Holy Spirit is. He's our comforter. Amen. He's the one with all the power, all the wisdom, all the gifts. He's got the master plan for the church. He got it all. Amen. So we might as well make friends with him. This man just made friends with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And he wound up God using him in that power. And you see, after that, Jesus' ministry grows. He then ordains 70. So it's increasing. Ever-increasing kingdom. You see all these people printing these lies about, oh, the Muslims are outgrowing the Christians. I don't think so. I'm not going to put my faith behind that nonsense. They don't even have a real God. Are you kidding me? They just got some words and some thoughts and some rituals. That ain't real. What we have is real. All we got to do is pray enough to get it to them. Intimidated by somebody who don't even have a real living God. Get real. Just focus on your part. Go ye into all the world. Just keep, make sure every time you open your mouth, your words are with power. Amen. If they're not with power, stay in your word till it gets there. Cause it will get there. Amen. So when these people heard Jesus speak, they perceived a different tone and they also perceived a, a presence in the atmosphere when he spoke. And that's something that, that we have to understand is always manifesting when we speak the word of God. The Holy Spirit confirms the word. He get, he bears witness to the word. Amen. So there was authority in his voice. And then he demonstrated that there was power behind the authority. So he wasn't just threatening and bluffing. That's not the authority Jesus operated in. Amen. He followed it up with power. This is the difference between how, how Oftentimes in a household, how the mother disciplines kids and how the dad does. Amen. Power you don't have to exercise too often because your authority does all the work. Dad comes in the house, everybody pays attention, they run and remember the chores they forgot and get busy. 
then the wife is upset. Well, how come they don't move when I do? Because you operate in a different realm. Let him have this. Because if he don't have that, this whole place is going to blow up. So you might as well try to fall in line with it, support it, and do whatever you can to keep it going. Do you understand me? Don't fight the power so much. You know, be jealous of what somebody else has. Thank God they, thank God you got something that's going to make your kids behave. Sometimes the parents start looking at how big they done gotten everybody eyeball to eyeball. You say, you know, if there was ever a mutiny on this ship, you understand what I'm saying? We got to make sure we keep some order down here in this thing. And so authority, the authority of God is always followed up with power. Power to do what? Carry out what you just spoke. If you tell a devil to leave, you got to believe it's got to go. Don't get excited if they keep moving. Amen. Now you can tell them again, say, I said leave. You can hear me get up out of this person and leave them alone. Amen. And let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Don't get over in the flesh and think about what these people going to think. I don't know what I'm doing. They thinking right because you don't. I mean, let's just be real here. Still wet behind the ears. You don't even know what translation of the Bible you reading every day. This is true. And you don't have to know a whole lot. All you got to know is God and how to obey him. If you're helping people, you ought to be responding to compassion and not some kind of desire for fame. You understand that's where the power follows that. You at least got to have that much sense and know the difference between compassion and pity. If you don't, go sit down. Amen. So the word power, though, also means might, strength. Amen. It, it uh, uh, it's authority. Uh, we said exousia authority means delegated authority comes from another source. Jesus's power came from the Father. He always said that, it, and he had to say it because that that validated. The divinity of the power. If he let people for one minute think it was all him, they think it was human power. Say it again for people that like to look mighty and all that kind of stuff because God uses you. You got me? Authority is delegated from another source. That's how the centurion got his servant a miracle. He knew it was, he said, Jesus, you're a man like I am. He said, I can tell you get different results because you ain't just appealing to Caesar. He said, but really when I appeal to Caesar, people do what I tell them to do. You got a higher source than I do. He said, I'm nothing. I have no authority. He said, I got to get mine from somewhere. He said, I could tell you doing the same thing. You pulling yours from another source, but your source can heal people. You got me? So, so it's not wrong to know that you're under authority, that, that, that don't belong to you. You possess an anointing when it rests on you. You just can't use it anytime you want to. Amen. So it's not our personal power. Uh, and it's, it's, 
actually a power that comes from a government or rule. Amen. You don't have the liberty to do as you choose when you're under that power. Amen. But you can get mastery to a certain degree. In other words, you can get understanding of how the power works to a certain degree. Amen. And that comes from God. It doesn't come from guessing. And you trying to figure it out. You've got to ask God. Amen. And get understanding from him on how the power works, when you work it, and how you work it. But understand, it is there to relieve demonic oppression. It is there to do the same things that Jesus did. Amen. Sometimes it will bring good results to you, and sometimes people won't even notice. Gotcha. It's nice when they don't notice, because you don't have to be under any performance expectation. Amen. But you should ask God to do whatever he's doing for humanity through you that's a blessing to them. You should ask him to do it repeatedly. It should not be, you should not be a one shot wonder. Amen. And you'll find that with people. They'll tell you the story. I, yeah, I was one time I was with so and so and and God had me pray for somebody and, and he healed them immediately. The pain left. When was that? 12 years ago. It should happen all the time. The disciples did it all the time. Jesus did it all the time. Why don't you do it all the time? Because people don't take the time to ask God for understanding. You know what? It's okay to go to God and say, God, you know, I really enjoyed being able to pray for that person and they got better. I mean, joy is the fruit of the spirit. Your spirit man perceives joy. It's okay to say that to God. God, I want to do that every day. You can say that. I've said it in my ignorance or whatever. Because you you need to respond. Let your spirit man respond so he knows what's normal. He can bring you into a normal level of Christianity in your life. You know, I know ministers have gone to God. God, so-and-so left here. They weren't healed. I want everybody to be healed. That's wonderful. Then I've heard some people... God, they would say that to God, and God said, I can't do that every time you get up in the pulpit, and I'll tell you why. So you gotta be willing to hear a yes or a no answer. You got me? Get some understanding from God. Many times God won't do it because people start following people, because we don't know any better. Got me? So if, if God, and it, it's not gonna be good for you. He's doing it pre- to preserve your life. Amen. And so, so this, this authority followed up with power. Amen. Only God can do that. We're not able to do that. You can use authority in, in just like if, if you're telling one of your children, say you got a teenage boy and you want him home at a certain time and he don't want to come home at a certain time. Well, it's only so much you tell him you better get in here is going to do if you can't back it up with something. You don't want to shoot the poor boy. You, you understand what that I means? You're limited. You you ain't got a whole lot. Amen. 
And if if you look at dad, dad shrugs and say, oh, man, we really in trouble now. It's the end of the line right here. Amen. Good dads won't shrug, though. They'll they'll dig into somewhere and come up with something. Remember them days when y'all wasn't saved and they came up with something and it worked? That's God. It's something is God. Dad knows what he's got. He said, I'm the last stop in this place. Amen. I'm the last best hope for order in here. So I got to find something out. So, but, but, you know, it's delegated to us by the all-powerful God. Amen. The astonishing power of Jesus rests in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dunamis refers to strength, ability, uh, an inherent power, miracle, moral fervency, and majesty. So the dunamis has all that to it. It's not just a, a feeling. Amen? So Jesus taught with authority, not like the scribes who did not have the anointing that he had. They were amazed at his manner and confidence. Amen? Uh, the scribes used timid references to the elders and traditions and, and, uh, and re- references like that. They were cold and indifferent. They weren't fervent. They weren't full of power. And so Jesus, though, his words would pierce their consciences and captivate them. Something hit them that had never hit them before. And that was his anointing. And, and it was supposed to because the word is supposed to change us, folks. I mean, right when you hear it, you don't have to mull over it. I don't know what that was about. No, no, you do. It's about the word. Amen. (laughs) Now, the people were astonished and gave honor and glory to God. And the Pharisees were astonished, too. But they sought to kill Jesus. So that astonishment can have two different effects on people. And that's what we perceive many times. Our words will astonish people and they will be angry and don't want to talk to us. Don't talk to me about that God stuff. No, that's not. And I don't want to talk that religion with you. So they're astonished, but they're angry. And you should be thankful because at least they're paying attention. God's got them. You just pray, God, just do what you need to do with them. Reel them in. Amen. Put a hook in their jaw. So Jesus operated in authority um, when his with his words, and that led to supernatural results. The word must be spoken first. The word must be preached first. That word preach really means to speak with authority or speak with confidence. Sometimes when you say things by the unction of God, people say, well, who do you think you are? That's because you coming from, baby, I'm coming from a different world than where you at. Are you kidding me? I'm out in the zone. And I'm seeing the miraculous and I'm seeing health and I'm seeing healing. I'm seeing limbs growing out. I'm seeing things change. And it ain't no maybe where I'm at. Where you at is a maybe and maybe you don't even want to think about it. But where I'm at, it's a show nothing. See, it's happening where I'm at. Amen. So, so Jesus was able for his words on there, oh, once you speak it out, then it's up to the Holy Spirit to manifest it. Amen. You can't make it manifest. Amen. So Jesus operated in the dunamis power to heal. 
God confirms his, his, uh, word with dunamis. Amen. He confirms his exousia, authoritative word, with dunamis power. And dunamis is what makes it manifest. So that word, the power, the power manifests after the exousia. So you gotta take authority first. You gotta have confidence in God. You gotta speak that word out boldly. And not, not try to change it up, mince it up, make it sound purdy. You know, so they'll like you. For a change, this is not about you. Amen. So, so Jesus put total faith in the Father. This is what we have to do. You gotta put your faith in God. Amen. And know that God is able to bring that word to pass. I, I was reminded yesterday, I was praying with somebody and, and, uh, uh, I was reminded of that scripture in Second Chronicles, I forget, four something. Lord, it's nothing with you to help. Lord, it is nothing with you to help. And see, this is the way we've got to think about when we get involved with God. It, it, he ain't sitting up there trying to figure out, now, who is that talking down there? Oh, Barb, she ain't talking about nothing. I ain't, I, you know, it is not about that. He doesn't look at who's speaking. That must be true because the guy they met that was casting out devils and he wasn't from their denomination. Jesus said, leave him alone. So he's not looking at who it is. He's looking at what they're saying and who they're obeying, whose they are and who they serve. So you got to have that together. So Jesus was tempted or tested to see he, if he would choose God's will under pressure. And we see that in Luke uh, chapter, is it chapter 4 in Luke? He talked about, let me go back a little bit, where he was drawn into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. This is what you got to understand. Amen. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 3. This is all led by the Holy Spirit. What did I say? Matthew. Okay. Now here. In verse 13, this is, this is, this is where people I think sometimes get confused. And they assume more, uh, from, from water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know how you ask people, have you received? Oh yeah, I've been baptized. You know. And, you know, you got to go back and explain the difference. And many times you don't know the difference. You know, one's water, you know, one's, you know what I'm saying. But, but here, I think this gives a good explanation of, you know, everything here. Jesus, uh, John is preaching here, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto, somebody say the word for me. See, now, if I was Bishop Jakes, I wouldn't have to ask 15 people to say a word. They'd be, yeah, I, Bishop, I got you, I got you, Bishop. <laughs> Don't worry about it, okay? Anywho, he says, John baptized people unto repentance. Amen? This was a a state of declaring your dependence on God. You turn away from the world and you turn toward God. There was, there was 
no transfer of power. There was, I believe there was a measure of the Holy Spirit that hovered over people to keep them to the next step. Do you got me? There has to be a next step because you don't have it all when you repent. There has to come later an empowerment to make that real. If if you're going to live in the kingdom, there's got to be a reality of it. There's got to be a power to it. There's got to be something to it other than you got wet and came back up. Amen. But John was preparing people. And this was an Old Testament way of sanctifying people to let them know what? There's more coming. Remember when when God would tell Moses, go through the camp, tell the people, sanctify yourselves tomorrow. I'm coming through. Don't be, you know, up late carousing, drinking wine and stuff and all that. Sanctify yourselves. Get still, set yourselves apart because there's more to follow. And and they followed Jesus. So the more to follow was Jesus preaching all the way up to Calvary and then Pentecost. All of there's always more to follow after repentance and getting baptized. Amen. So here he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto, but he that comes after me is mightier than I. So there's more coming. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear, he shall baptize with you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. His fan is in his hand. He's going to separate out what what's not good. He's going to change you. Amen. And it says here, then Jesus came to the Jordan, to John to be baptized. He's already got the Holy Ghost. He's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Hum, what's up? And John forbade him saying, hey, wait a minute. I, I need to have be baptized of you and you're coming to me. John's not real sure about it, but he's not going to be around when Jesus baptizes people in the Holy Ghost. He's not going to live that long. Got me? And he says, and Jesus answering said to him, let it be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. So what Jesus is saying, I'm here in the form of human flesh. I'm expected to do certain things that all humans do. One of them is to obey the Father and not break rank and cause a dissension here and cause a confusion because not everybody knows who I am. I'm just a man coming up here and I want to be in righteousness just like God is calling everybody else to. Amen. So really your water baptism is an outward sign of an inward vow, an inward conviction. You've made a decision to follow God and forget the world. And so you get baptized as a public demonstration to others looking on. That you're one of us. That's it. There's no power transfer. Now people do experience a peace, a release. There are different things people, and some people say, well, I didn't feel anything, but I know I belong to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it varies. Now there are people who will want to tell you that this is where Jesus was anointed. Why? Because it says this, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. There was no dove. This was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus observed this. But then a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, and what he just did is pleasing to me. Now, if he were anointed then, don't you know God the Father had enough sense to tell people, I'm anointing him this day to to do his ministry? You know, they accept me in the why. They, They like what I talk about over there. They love me over there. They, well, I won't go that far, but they won't even let you in the door if you don't knock. Okay, so y'all got me, all right? So wait a minute. But you gotta understand there's answers here. So don't let people tell you something is there that's not there. If God the Father wanted to say, I've anointed him, this is, I'm putting this anointing on him so he can heal the sick lady, he just said that. He said what he said. What he said was, this pleases me to settle the controversy between John and him. John said, this ain't right. You're greater than I am. You should be, no, this is okay. And the father says, I'll settle this. Cuz, big cuz, little cuz. Amen. John was big cuz, Jesus little cuz. So you know how cousins get. They forget, we, we went out and played that day. You you beat me up. No, you beat me up. Yeah, well, let me settle this. It's a little family dispute. And God settles it. And God says, no, I'm pleased with what my son just did. Amen. Even though he is greater, this pleases me. Why? Because he, Jesus becomes the example for all humanity. Amen. God wants everybody who confesses Christ to be water baptized. You got me? So don't assume there's more there, though, than there is there. You got me? Amen. And so anyway, then Jesus, after this, then it says here in in chapter 4, he was led by that same spirit that always lived in him, functioning a little differently now, into the wilderness to be tested of the devil. And it says after he was tested, he came out of there in power and authority Amen. And then when he sat in the synagogue and read, he told them this day, this scripture. So you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not have an anointing to preach or to cast out devils or to do anything. Now you think about it. The day you received tongues, what was that like? It's a blur. You only remember what happened to you. Most of us. A lady sat down with me and I felt fire go through my scalp. And and she told me to keep praying. And it was two years before I ever prayed in tongues again. And some people do it very little after that experience. Did did they go off preaching and teaching? Of course not. They don't even know how to get the gift to help them to build up their spirits. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't assume anything. You know, you, you go home and, and I remember I went home, I, I kept saying, ooh, it's still in there. I was shocked it was still, you understand what I'm saying? You do that for about a year before you get used to him being there and not leaving you. 
Amen. You keep checking in on him. Is he still there? Oh, he's still there. Oh, and this time I feel some little bubbles somewhere. You, you understand what? You get used to it. Comes in increments. But Jesus, because he was, he was God, he received, he's receiving these things in increments to show us the way. He could have received everything all at one time. He had to be tempted just like we are. He had to show that we can resist temptation when the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. He had to do all that stuff. And so he, he then gets anointed with power and he goes into the synagogue and reads from the scripture. I think that's in Luke chapter four. It's in verse 14. This is after he was tempted. Verse 13 says, when the devil had ended all the temptation, testing, he departed from him for a season. He's going to do that to you for a season. Amen. And he's, but that doesn't, that doesn't need upset you. You just keep rebuking him. Keep walking with God. Keep submitting to God. And Jesus returned in the power of the spirit unto Galilee. So now he's in the power of the spirit. It was no power there when he got up out the water. Amen. He descended on him. He said, like a dove. And God spoke that he was pleased with what he did. No authority, no power. Got me? We're talking about ministry here, folks. We're not talking about how you feel. Well, I know I'm saved. I ain't talking about that. You get on a different plane sometimes. You know, people so defensive. I know what I got. You don't know nothing. You understand me? We know very little. We know in part, the Bible says. We believe in part. Still learning. Stay open to learn something. And he says, he returned in, in the uh, power of the Spirit to Galilee. And then the fame went, this is where he really blew up, as they say. Amen. After he was anointed, after, after number one, he had to prove himself just like you do. Amen. When you get tongues, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You got to prove yourself through regular praying in the Holy Ghost. And then you got to, you got to prove yourself by not yielding to the desire to go and be with them friends of yours that used to smoke a little herb. You understand what I'm saying? And you know how when you got your paycheck, you put a little bit in an envelope so you could get high when you wanted to. You don't do that no more. See, Miss Donna, I want to be a sweet preacher, but they won't let me. Not one of them is going to let me do that. Huh? That was your tithe. See, I wasn't going to go there, but I'm going to go there now. You tithe to the dope man. Gave him more, actually. That little jar your mama gave you when you was 11. You kept pennies in it. You be shaking that thing, trying. That's been gone. Don't mess with me, okay? So anyhow, you have to be proven. You have to, the Bible says that, that you can avenge disobedience. In other words, you can, you can cast out devils when you got them all out of yourself. Said so once your obedience is fulfilled, once you obey to God's satisfaction, I like that part. 
Because we don't have to judge each other. You obey to God's satisfaction. But you will be tested as to where your allegiance is. God's not going to squander his power on somebody who's going to go back into the world. Get real. So it says, he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all that region round about. And he taught in his, in their synagogues being glorified of all. Amen. And so he went in, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me when he went to Nazareth. But he also says in verse 18, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister. And he said, <clears throat> by the way, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, it could be that he did this before he did the thing that's, you got me? Listed first, or vice versa. But he began to announce that he was anointed to do all of these things. And, and he announced that everywhere he went. He says, I'm anointed to do this. Amen. I think when God anoints you, you need to tell people that sometimes. It's not bragging. It's just the truth because it did cause people to trust him. It did cause people to yield to him. It did call his uh, following to increase because they knew then that God had conferred a special power upon him and it specifically did certain things. He says, I'm here to preach deliverance to the captives. Oh, wow. This, he's going to do that. We can be set free. This was exciting to people. I'm here to bind the brokenhearted. Oh, I got to bring my mother here. He can, this, you know, this is why people get uh, uh, buses feel coming to their meetings because their, their fame starts to go out. People start to recognize what they can do and they begin to recognize people that need that. That's what they did in Jesus time. The same thing now, the same thing. His astonishing power is for us too. We have the same anointing. Amen. I wish people would quit confusing people. You know, oh, there's an anointing to buy houses. There, no, you just need money to buy houses. Shut up lying to people. If your credit is still jacked up, you ain't getting no house. I was going to be nice. I was going to make a nice exit. Be sweet. But you know what I mean. Why? Because they don't have the real anointing. So they lie about it, try to make it sound like, oh, there's an anointing for husbands. Who's husband? If they married again, I don't want him. He ain't available. What is this, an adultery house? Get out of my face with that. Huh? Are you talking about rent a husband, buy a husband? What you talking about? Let's get real here, folks. It's only one anointing. And we know you don't have it because nobody, you never pray for a sick person, you never cast out a devil, and nobody gets better when you preach. And don't get me started on them tinfoil prophecies people give out. I'm done. (laughs) 
See, y'all thought I was going to be bad some more. I am done. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. Thank you, Father, for blessing us, helping us and keeping us, keeping us in your power and your presence. Father, we know now what we must do. We must preach and let you confirm your word with the dunamis following. So, Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you do all things well. Thank you, Lord, for increasing our dependence upon you and not on man. So we love you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God.